Hello, this is Mike Troop, the voice and creator of the Earth Collective Serial Drama Podcast. You're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Come check us out. You can find us on Twitter at TEC Story. Hello, and welcome to Soren with the Magic Our Way Podcast. My name is Mr. Mononymous, and I'll be your chief flight attendant today. We'll begin boarding in just a few minutes, but first I'd like to acquaint you with the rest of your flight crew. First, we have your pilot and co-pilots, Kevin and Danny. These artistic buffs will launch you from New Orleans to soar over all things Disney. Your entertainment director is Ivory Comics proprietor Eli. Be sure to check your in-flight magazine for a sneak peek at his comic, Project Geisha. Nice work, pal. Soon you'll be airborne. If you or your little aviators would like to reach the flight crew at any time, be sure to check out magicourway.com, where you can find links to Facebook, Twitter, email, or send in a voicemail. And, of course, you can book your next Soarin' flight with your platinum-level earmarked travel agent, Lee Lastavica, from Magical Moments Vacations. Remember, you've got a friend in Lee. Okay, let's review. Kevin, Danny, Eli Lee, Artistic Buffs, Disney stuff, anything else? Oh, yeah. Chombo, everyone. Rambe. Chombo, everyone. Harambe. And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way, Way Podcast. Podcast. Sante Sun, everyone. You are listening to the Magic Away podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are artistic buffs talking about Disney stuff, and this is the show in which every opinion is welcome. MagicAway.com is where you can find us. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. And on this show, we follow the Disney concept of edutainment, where we focus on your entertainment, and along the way, you just might learn a thing or two. Hey, hey, hey. And as always, so join in our discussion. We have our resident comic genius from IvoryComics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, Eli? Oh, I'm doing good, guys. Man, good to hear you guys' voices again. Hope everybody's doing all right. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're doing. We're doing. And, of course, somebody else that's doing, we have a resident travel agent from Magical Moments Vacations, the Shaggy TA, Lee Lastavica. How you doing, Lee? Oh, good, man. Another week, another two inches of beard growth. How about you guys? <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, um, yeah, I got hair growing, but not my beard. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, you got me beating on that one, buddy. Yeah, can't follow that. Uh. Um, but anyway, guys, look, you're in for a great show, regardless of that. Um, we will be ending our series on Dizzy's relationship with New Orleans. And for this episode, we are talking about the Port Orleans Resort and take it all the way as far back as when there were two separate resorts called Port Orleans and Dixie Landing. Yeah. So this should be a great, great show talking about how it relates to New Orleans, the back history, uh, the awesome job of the back history. And uh, of course, we involve our friend Keith, listener X, who's going to help us chat with the show. So honestly, he helped put the show together. Yeah, right. so, uh, he did help put the show together. Right, so this episode we're going to learn all about Port Orleans. Next episode we're going to learn a lot more about Dixie Landings. And just in this intro, we learned that Kevin doesn't believe in manscaping. So uh, we're learning lots already. A lot of edumacation right up in there. <laughs> a lot more to come from, guys. So look, enough of my jibber-jabber. 
Let's go discuss some magic. Awakens, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pride and a bit of sadness to announce that we have arrived at our final installment in our series of shows discussing Disney's relationship with New Orleans, our hometown. In episode 319, we discussed Walt's visits to New Orleans as well as Disneyland's New Orleans Square. In episode 320, we discussed New Orleans as a possible site for Walt Disney World as well as the never-built Lake Buena Vista New Orleans Square Resort. And... In this episode, number 321, we discuss the existing Port Orleans Resort, both Riverside, formerly Dixie Landings, and French Quarter, formerly Port Orleans. As we have done in the previous two episodes, we bring back Listener X, a.k.a. Keith, to help us in this discussion. Where you at, Keith? Hey, how's everyone doing out there? Doing well, man. And I'm glad you answered that correctly, which is to not answer it. You know, a lot of people in New Orleans say, say, where you at? And then you can tell they're out of town when they actually answer where they're at. And that's like, that's like not the point. <laughs> so it's the, you, it's the way you got their shoes. Right. Exactly. When exactly. I was in New Orleans, actually, I got asked that. So I know it's true. Yes. Well, good. You can vouch for that. If you're visiting New Orleans and somebody says, I bet you I can tell you where you got those shoes. Don't take the bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got the shoes in New Orleans. That's the answer. Yeah, that's the answer. You got your shoes in New Orleans on Bourbon Street or whatever. Well, yeah, it's some little tricky thing that they like to do, and they try and hustle people for money like that, especially tourists. Yeah. Well, something good to know for any more weekends coming to town to visit us, right? Yeah. So, guys, look, I'm looking forward to the discussion, Keith, man. Uh, we're talking about Port Orleans Resort. Um, where would you like to start, sir? I'll turn it over to you. Well, let's just kind of just do a really quick two-second recap. So last we left, we were talking about uh, planned um, Walt Disney World Hotel, kind of in the um, Walt Disney World Village area, kind of in the early 80s, the Lake Buena Vista, New Orleans Square, as Kevin mentioned. So that obviously didn't happen, but what kind of happened in its place was the first moderate resort, which was the Caribbean Beach Resort. You did kind of get it, though. You did kind of get it, Keith. It's just that you got it in the boardwalk area. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so, you know, so we had a deluxe hotel opened up and we had a moderate hotel open up as well. So obviously Disney knew that they had planned in the works the Disney MGM Studios. So they realized they needed um, more on-site hotels. So, you know, as I mentioned before, um, so they were planning some new hotels. And as Disney says, a good idea never dies at Disney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure they were planning these new hotels and they were kind of dusting off the old uh, blueprints. And, you know, Michael Eisner's team, I'm sure, looked at it and said, hey, you know, maybe a New Orleans themed hotel would actually be a good idea. So the idea was greenlit and the hotel... The um, Port Orleans was actually, well, it's actually Port Orleans and it was actually Dixie Landings. So two, two separate hotels side by side next to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Port Orleans opening first, right? And then Dixie Landings came shortly after. Right. So the Disney Port Orleans Resort opened on May 17th, 1991. And it was exquisitely themed to the real New Orleans famed French Quarter. And, you know, we'll get into that in a minute or two. And it started off with 432 rooms, and it eventually expanded to 1,008 rooms after the other buildings opened sometime later. 
Cool, cool. All right, so look, one thing. Yeah. New Orleans, New Orleans. Uh, Keith, say New Orleans. New Orleans. Thank you. That's it. So no. go with that for the rest of the show. <laughs> Not New Orleans? You guys don't like Not when New I say Orleans. New Orleans? Well, you know, uh, I'm from here. He texted us to say that his the back of his neck was just kept twitching whenever he was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys say it wrong. So, uh, well, then I'm going to start saying Port Orleans to drive you guys crazy. But uh, Port, Port Orleans? Is that how you guys well, say it? it? Well, no. Here's the funny thing con. about that, you know, and 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 a lot of people say <laughs> uh, have have issues with that because we call it New Orleans, but we say Orleans Avenue. We all say Port Orleans and stuff like that. So right. it's really okay. confusing to a bunch of people. But when we refer to the city, it's always New Orleans. So we figure we should make sure that you knew since we're you're learning about this as well, being an out of town. Yep. Okay. But hey, I'm not going to um, go against the local. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> You're outnumbered. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, have any of you um, stated the uh, Port Orleans or Port Orleans or whatever you want to call it? I've stayed several times at Riverside. That's for a family of five. It's the most affordable way to go if you want to just stick to run room. So that's what we always did um, in the past. Now I got bigger kids, so I don't want to squeeze onto that little trundle bed. But uh, yeah. I like the resort myself. I mean, again, I know that you guys say, hey, you know what? We're from here. We're from New Orleans. We don't really need to. We, we want a different kind of atmosphere, but I'm not from New Orleans, so I like it. It's 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 laid back, and, I, you know, it's, it feels like home. Sure. You like stay there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was yeah, going to say, stay I, I stayed there. I, I, I'm from here. I went out there. I, I stayed there. Um, I think it was, it was a few years back, but, uh, yeah, it was – Really cool laid back spot. I mean, like you said, they did pull some of the architecture uh, from the downtown area, made it a little more neon colored, I'd say. But um, overall, like the the pool area and the, and the bars where I, I spent the most time, uh, which was um, very cool. Um, cast members were really easy going group, so yeah, it was it was like being at home, except uh, more Long Island iced teas. And, you know, let's face it, right, man, us being from New Orleans, if we can take a bit of our home to Walt Disney World, I mean, that's like a win-win for us, right? Because, I mean, you know, our, our, our city is so special. We love it and, and, and a lot of different character aspects of it. So it's great that we can take some of that and at least have a, a taste of it or a bit of it or a cleaner version of it down at Walt Disney World. <laughs> yeah, it is nice to like walk down the street and not have to worry about tripping over somebody tap dancing with bottle caps underneath their shoes or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I will give you that. Um, and yeah, yeah. And, it, and it is a good look of, uh, of home. And it's a very good, how do you say, uh, resemblance of it. So you know what I mean? It's not like the overall look of it is this, as if they just were like, hey, let's just throw some stuff together, throw some beads on a rail and call it for a leap. Yeah, right. That's not the case. Yeah. That's my problem with it. It's New Orleans, but without any of the things that make New Orleans fun. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. I mean, where it's are a- the people on the balcony waiting for the beads? And yeah, no. Well, it's a family park, though. Same well, that's part of our part of our enjoyment <laughs> laughing at like the out of town tourists doing all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. We don't want children growing beards at the age of five if they see some of the stuff that actually happens down here during that time. So the cleaner representation might be good to you know warm them up. To give the listeners some context here, during this time when all this stuff was opening, um, the three of us, uh, me, Eli, and Danny, were in high school at this time. Yeah. 
in New Orleans, in our hometown. Yes. So this was we were witnessing all of this happening uh, while we we're youngins, <laughs> for sure. Well, one thing, Danny, going back to your point is they should have put a little more um, theme into it. I mean, they kind of have the, uh, you know, the wrought iron and there's a court jester kind of in the main lobby and images of gold doubloons and that kind of thing. But the buildings actually, like, they should have used New Orleans names. I mean, they kind of just really have building numbers and it's kind of divided up between north and south. So it's kind of not really an original um, name for the buildings versus Dixie Landings, which we'll get into it when we get into the history in a little bit. But no really originality there. Like you're in North Building One. That's it. So <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of blame turns up around the area to kind of give that uh, Mardi Gras type impression. But no, I absolutely see what you're talking about. And again, I've never stayed there. I just remember visiting and being within the lobby and wherever where we picked up Eli from that one time. I can't remember. But yeah, no, it, it's it's never been anything that kind of drew me in to want to stay. I mean, just again, when I when I go on vacation, I'm the opposite. I want to forget New Orleans. <laughs> There's so many problems over here right now. My God, it's just it's nice to go someplace and be like, oh, I'm in the tropics now in my mind. How fun would it be to be in uh, Building A, the bathhouse? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, but that's it makes it easy to kind of keep up to say, hey, you're in a quadrant. I mean, yeah, if you were like, oh, look, you need to go on Royal Street and take a left on Dumaine, and then you'll find your hotel rooms. Like, They could have put you in, like, Third Ward or something. Third Ward? Oh, I, kind of, I don't know what kind of wards I've got, but I know, I know you've got some kind of wards. It's a war. <laughs> yeah, don't they have the street signs in and around? I mean, I'm not sure. I know that in you're French right about quarter, the, yeah. the building. Yeah, I think the street names are like Royal Square and like some other streets, but the building's names are just generic. Okay, right. Yeah. All right, Keith, where are we going? So Port Orleans and Dixie Landings actually have some really interesting um, backstories. Probably one of the more fascinating backstories of any Disney res- resort that I can actually think of. Mm-hmm. More detailed than yeah. any, that's for sure. Like, you, there's so much detail on this thing. And how they just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, of course, they made this backstory to fit the theme. But, like, they really, like, someone got paid overtime for this backstory. <laughs> he, he was on quarantine. And they were like, hey, uh, <laughs> you got nothing else to do. And use your imagination. <laughs> well, yeah, I like it when they give backstories to things. I mean, they, man, they really went all out. They gave backstories to the lobby, to the gift shop, to the restaurant, to the food court, to the pool area. The boat, there's not the like boat dock. Huh? There's, there's a backstory to the boat dock. Yes, you know, everything has a backstory. It's it's so rich. It's hard to get into. I mean, I know we're going to try and summarize as best as we can, I suppose. But I mean, yeah. The, if there's a building there, there's a backstory behind why that building is there. And do we know why that happened during this time? What, what, what else opened just previous to this resort? Do we remember open during this? Well, time? this it opened in 1991. The Grand Floridian mm-hmm. and the, um, which I don't really think has a backstory. It does. And then also, rather further back to that, further back 1989. What opened in 1989? Well, Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island, which is loaded with backstory. If you listen back to our previous show mm-hmm. on Pleasure Island, we had a two-parter where we discussed pretty much every nook and cranny uh, of that of that backstory. There, it's, it's crazy. So this is about the mindset, the time in Dizzy's company where that mindset was: yeah, we got to give a story to everything. And so this resort was uh, not excluded from that. It was definitely all up in that. <laughs> and at, at the same time frame, in 1994 was the Wilderness Lodge, and that has a little bit of a backstory. But then the um 
the boardwalk and, you know, the Yacht and Beach Club, they really don't. So maybe it was just the Imagineers who were working on these hotels at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And also those places were DVC resorts. So they were looking to quickly expand on that particular property, given the uh, original success of the old Key West uh, venture. So those probably had a different kind of mindset going into it versus the other ones that like the one we're about to discuss that have maybe have like more story behind it as well. Well, to, to Keith's point, like uh, the backstory was communicated because each of these resorts used to have their own newspaper. And that's how the mm-hmm. resorts would put out the uh, the backstory behind how this resort came to be, what this building was about. All that stuff came through these newspapers. I think they stopped doing that. Yeah, I mean, once it kind of went with the, uh, they kind of cut out the backstory and kind of just made it like basic services, like here's the hours of the gift shop and all this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then to your point, then the backstory basically got lost. Yeah, when some bean counter somewhere went like, wait a minute, we're just going to change all this stuff anyway. What does it matter? <laughs> Right, right, yeah, yeah. What a shame! What a shame. So, why don't yeah. we get into the backstory a little bit? So, the um, Port Orleans backstory. I kind of tried to do cliff notes because, like you guys said, the history is so kind of in detail. But actually, the the backstory was originally published in the newspaper that was given out to guests called the Saskagula Sentinel, nice. and they actually kind of broke it out by year, going to when. Port Orleans was founded and then over time developed the city. So I kind of just did some really quick cliff notes, not to kind of turn this into like a boring history lesson, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. History, I love history, uh, especially when it comes to the park. So I love to learn. Uh, but yeah, no, for the benefit of not being here for the next six hours. Though. <laughs> right, right. So apparently it all started in 1694. So there was a French expedition which set sail for America looking for riches. So Pierre Dior. Riches or bitches? Riches. Oh, okay. Just That's how sure. you get to bitches. Yeah. You, you're putting the cart before the horse there, Lee. <laughs> yeah. The hell, you right, right. Scarface? You ever seen Lesson Scarface? Learned. Lesson learned. So it was, um, so there's a French expedition. It was by uh, Pierre Dior and Philip Ween. So you combine them together, you take so you take the ore and the weans, and then there you get the porter weans. Aha, cute. Oh, so that's wow. kind of the name, yeah. So fast forward a couple years, and in 1704, the explorers. So apparently, I guess for um, ten years they've been kind of just wandering America, and then they set up the Sacagula Delta in 1704. And they, they found land, which they claimed for France. And this is how the city of Portland was founded. Okay, now you, make sure you let them know, Keith, Sasagula. What, where does that word come from? Because Sasagula River is, is obviously their version of the Mississippi River. So Sasagula, do you want to tell them what the word means? Um, is that the French version of... No, it's an Indian word. Yes. Okay. We, talk, we talked about it in the first episode, and I lost yes. it in my notes. But in case you didn't listen to the first episode, it means <laughs> it's a Native American name for the Mississippi River. Thank you, Danny, for the little history lesson. Yeah, that's how yes. they came up with the name of the river. Don't ask me why they didn't want to use the Mississippi or the name New Orleans or anything like that. They, they did their own thing. 
It, it sounds more fancy than, I guess, the Mississippi. You know, it goes with the Sentinel, Saskatchewan Sentinel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Sentinel doesn't sound good. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if Disney, if Disney gets it wrong, then they, they, they don't have to be held accountable for anything because it's like their story, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> so they founded the city of uh, Port Orleans, and having them being French, you know, explorers, the city was laid out in the style of New Orleans with courtyard squares and elaborate French influence designs similar to the French Quarter that you guys kind of know today. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how they kind of set up the backstory because they were French explorers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the city, you know, kind of got laid out. So then kind of like Danny said, I kind of liked to kind of just talk about specific areas that are in... Um, the Port Orleans Resort, mm-hmm. um, unless you guys just want to go into every single detail of the um, the backstory. Uh, let's let's bounce around a little bit. Let, let's let's kind of ground it in the sense of reality and, and kind of explain where different things came from. The only reason you need the backstory is kind of lay out who these people that we're about to mention are. I would suppose. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, they talked about how they like, you know, the history goes into how they like when they developed a bank and all this, but it was just almost like, you know, year by year by year history. And I kind of like Danny just said, I kind of like where they start talking about people and how they tie into stuff that's this building is related to this person who kind of lived in Port Orleans at this time. So mm-hmm. why don't we kind of jump into that kind of a little bit? Let's jump. All right. Jump, jump. <laughs> so, so the first person is Jean Michael Dessert. And this was a self-made man who used to sell sweets. And he married an actress named Maria Garcia Jackson. What a name. <laughs> There's like a lot of nationalities in there. Yeah, I thought it was going to be some cool French, like, you know, Maria Laveau or something like that. Just Garcia Jackson. Hey, man, it's a girl from around the corner. All right, right, no, right. Yeah, that kind of fits. You call him Miss Jackson if you're nasty. E. That's right, Miss Jackson if you're nasty. <laughs> That's what you get the riches for. There you go. Well, I think the idea behind including the Garcia and in, in because at some point in time in the backstory they do make mention that um, uh, the French territory was kind of taken over by Spanish. Uh, Correct. Yep. Something like that. So they were trying to give you the sense that this was a unique culture that was being created on the fly here where you have these French settlers intermixing with Spanish settlers. And now the blending of culture is leading to this brand new food and architecture and that that kind of thing. And so I think that's why the uh, attempt like you have these outrageous names like Pierre Poupon. <laughs> you can't you can't get any more French. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> can you pass me the mustard, please? Can you see can you see him rolling right. up in a, in a steamboat? Pardon me. <laughs> Do you have any great Poupon? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you know, guys, just to kind of relate it to the actual city itself, that's actually what happened in the city of New Orleans. Is there, we were under the French flag and then the Spanish flag and then the American flag. Mm-hmm. And back to the, all, all kind of cultures in this, what the nation recalls first to as a gumbo of, of peoples. So, yeah, yeah yes. that's very parallel. Parallels the story of what we're actually uh, living. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that is true. The culture was just like, yeah, I, just, I was expecting a more fancy name. Like all the other people had the fancy names and then here comes Miss Jackson. Garcia Jackson, though, man. Yeah, Maria Garcia Jackson. She married a Jackson. She married into the Jacksons. Garcia Conchita Alonzo 
<laughs> and then she married uh, Nathaniel Jackson. Thomas Jackson. Nathaniel Jackson. That's it. Well, well wait till you hear the, the daughter's names. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, we got daughters? Oh. So, the, so they had two twin daughters, and they were named, and I'm probably going to destroy the pronunciation, but it's C E L I A. So Celia and Delia. Celia Celia Delia. Monique, you need. Ophelia. Whereas Celia my Delia. Ophelia. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lady try to sell my house. Her name was Delia. I wonder if she was related. Did go. she give you a Delia? <laughs> I was trying to get a Delia. I was trying to get that number too, but uh, it didn't work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because she didn't Delia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the deal was a Celia. So absolutely. <laughs> oh. These two twin daughters opened up a dress shop named after their mom. So you have the word Jackson. So this distress shop becomes Jackson Square Gifts and Desires, which is now basically known as the Port Orleans Gift Shop. So that's kind of the backstory of the gift shop. And you know Jackson Square Gifts and Desires was named after Andrew Jackson. Just like Jackson Square. Yeah, right. They right. couldn't say that. They had to come up with a backstory and make it sound like, no, 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 we're not referencing these uh, what you call these uh, um, older slave owners or anything like that? We're just we're we're talking about like happy exactly. elements of war. Exactly, that's right. History. That's right. Yes, and we're going to get into as time goes on. We're going to get into why a lot of this stuff was done away with and names were changed. And yeah, yep. again, kind of like what we were talking about before. It's it's like New Orleans, but sanitized for your protection. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And hermetically sealed. Yes. It needs to be. Yes. So um, another part of the history of uh, Port Orleans, New Orleans, you know, jazz club, jazz music was very popular at the time. Yeah, really, Danny. Mm -hmm. So they came up with Scats Cats Club was the name of the jazz club that was supposedly in Port Orleans, which is basically now the Port Orleans Lounge at the resort. So um, there's another little name for you, Scats Cats Club. Cat cat. Cat. Where did that name come from, you know? It's just it was just a jazz club that opened up in the in the city and there there was no backstory on that one. Oh I, I know Danny, I know. Okay. It's Paula Abdul. <laughs> it, no, no, it's not. It's not Paul took two steps forward while Keith took two steps back. Oh, there you I'm go. So sorry, I am so sorry. My bad. Oh, by the sorry. way, uh, Keith, Scatcats is still open. By the way, yes, it is. It's the Port Orleans Lounge. Oh, you mean in New Orleans? Is there yeah, an actual? I mean, I mean, it's still called Scatcats. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure that that was clear. Okay. Good. I think you meant to say, "Give me the bop, to bop, to bop, to bop." Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that, Abe, because all right. So, uh, Kev, it seriously, is where does the name Scatcats? <laughs> <laughs> I know scatting is like the jazz, the uh, little jazz vocalization language stuff, but I don't know if there's anything more to that. Uh, to be honest, okay. Well, then maybe I'm sorry. Maybe uh, I stumbled across this one by accident. Okay, just is to, it, it's not like the aristocrats thing, is it? Like because there's a lot of aristocrats. Yes, that's exactly. It's the aristocrats. Oh. Yes, scat oh, okay. cat is a character in the aristocrats, and then you, as you're going to see, and I'm sure Keith's going to get into it when we get into the pool area. The mm-hmm. aristocrats pop up again and again here because the Aristocats, well, that movie took place in France. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I read about the whole Bonne Famille's thing. Yeah, so Sky Cat was the lead <laughs> cat of that little, you know, that little jazz group that they had. And who 
did the voice of Scat Cat? Anyone? Scat Man Crothers. Thank you, E. <laughs> Thank Scat you, Man Eli. Crothers. Scat Man Crothers. So believe it or not, yes, technically, there is a jazz club in Disney named after Scatman Carruthers. That's awesome. In yeah, which is awesome. Way. That is a classic. Too. And just to connect it with everything, the Aristocats was, took place where? In France. In France, in France exactly. And, and yeah. New Orleans was part of the whole French colony. So, yeah, it's all kind of it's a big circle of life, as it were. Right. So whereas it wasn't included as part of the official backstory, that's where the name came from. Because obviously this backstory was pieced together after everything was named. I promise right. you. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can believe that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So the next location, just bear with me a little bit for the little bit of backstory on this one. Okay. So apparently there was a bakery called Cross Bakery was founded by Mary Margaret Cross. Hence the name Cross Bakery. So uh-huh. she retired as a nurse from London and settled in Port Orleans. She saw a street full of children beggars and decided to feed them. So over time, she basically was feeding the children, and then she decided to open up a bakery. Go figure. Yeah. So she also established a foundation for orphans, and one of the orphans that she took care of was named Annie. That's a different story. <laughs> That's a different story, Danny. Oh, sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> what? We'll talk about that one. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so much history. <laughs> so one of the or one of the orphans' names was Jacques Benet. So this Jacques Benet opened up his own pastry shop, and take a guess at what he sold. Big yes. donuts. He sold Benets. Beignets, beignets, beignets. beignets. Oh wait, you mean like Eric, uh, like Eric Benet, or Lisa? No, like Lisa Benet's, uh, Lisa Benet's uh, son. (laughs) Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Because it was Eric Benet. He was trying to go out with Holly Berry. I don't know if they made any cats though, but uh, you mean like beignets? You talking about that? The donut? Like we used to cook. Kevin and I used to cook. Yeah, beignets. Beignets. Yeah, yeah. Just, he just has yeah, to I'm smooth helping. out his end a little bit. I'm yep. helping. I'm helping. It's like early leads, you know. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. Keith, if you can't tell, it's a it's one of the New Orleanians' favorite pastimes is to give people from different states grief about their pronunciation of our terms. <laughs> if you can't figure that out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could think of a Philly term where you guys can uh, mess up on, but I can't think of one right now. So maybe I'll have you guys try to order a cheesesteak, and we'll see how that goes later. <laughs> All right. So cheesesteaks, can they have mushrooms on them? Uh, yeah. What about onions? Uh, yeah. See, I thought that was—I thought that was like some kind of contention that they couldn't have mushrooms on them. Mm, you know, I haven't heard that. Um, oh, I'll have to look okay. that up one way. Um, Either with yeah. or without. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, you guys know the lingo better than me, better than me. So, bonnets are sold at the Port Orleans, and that bakery is located in the Saskagula Float Works and Food Factory. Which yeah. is basically the food court. So there's the backstory to that bakery. And and a funny little thing here. Again, for the Jack Beignet, that was a pun. That was a takeoff on a famous American comedian back in the day. Oh, Jack Benny. Jack Benny. Jack Benny. Jack yeah. Benny. Mm-hmm. Jack Benny. That's where yeah. the name came from. That's what I'm saying. The, the story was clearly put together after these things were named. Was, and wasn't there something about that she made hot cross buns or... 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I read, that was part of her original bakery, hence the right. name Cross. Right, she made Cross bun. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. and they were hot and Cross and buns. <laughs> <laughs> your your anaconda don't want none unless you got hot Cross buns. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Glad to oh, hear that. Good. All right. Yeah, so yeah. Seth Google of Floatworks and Food Factory, just to kind of piggyback off of what Keith was saying, in addition to Jack Beignet's bakery, when it first opened, some of the other places that were available there, because all these names have kind of been lost to history. So just to kind of give them a little due respect, uh, Preservation Pizza Company, uh, the King Creole Broiler, and Basin Street Burgers and Chicken. Those were, because now none of these places have names anymore. They're just right. <laughs> food. It's food court. Right, yep. exactly. But they did have names at one point in time. So just to kind of give that a little bit of love. Well, in, in talking about the um, the food factory, you know, Disney actually kind of, once again, Danny, another thing that's been kind of lost to time. Originally, it was themed to be a Mardi Gras float factory, kind of yeah. like Blaine Kern's Mardi World. So I don't know if you guys ever remember when you visited, it had these big, giant, elaborate masks and props hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, yeah, absolutely. And also, all the yeah, chairs were a bunch of kind of mismatched chairs to kind of make it look like kind of a factory. So apparently, a couple of years ago, um, I don't know if people were complaining about it, but when they did the the you know they obviously did a modification and you know renovated it, and it's now just kind of looks like a generic food cart with a couple little minor theming. So they got rid of they kind of got away from that big Mardi Gras kind of theme. Oh, yeah, man, it's a food that. court. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they genericized it now, which is unfortunate. And all the chairs are the same, so. That's, yeah, that's a little weird. I mean, but that's the part of the theming, I guess. Like, what, did they say uh, what made them just eventually just, how you say, change it like that? Or just, like, was it too expensive to keep up with all that? No, I, I think it, as time is going on, these kind of, again, you saw this with um, Grand Floridian, where so much has changed that the story just is just jointed and really doesn't make a whole lot of sense anymore. And, and I think that's what happens is as time goes on, things change and now you lose these stories. And so it's not as important that all this stuff kind of fits together anymore. It's sad. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like this is a Disney thing that, that they're doing or is it more like people just don't care about that stuff in general? Like, like most people are just like, I just want to get on splash mountain, you know, like they don't care about the backstory and main street and the windows and, you know, all that kind of stuff, or is it just that Disney doesn't want to continue to have to keep up with the story? I think the casual fans, I think you're right. That Yeah, they don't care. They're there. They look around. Oh, cool stuff. But they never take the time to really understand where you're sitting at. What, what, what is the story that's being conveyed here? Either that or it's just happening on a subliminal level or something. Uh, but hardcore Disney fans, they know this stuff and they look for this stuff sure. and they appreciate I- this stuff. And that's kind of what keeps you going with Disney. So as a little by little, it erodes away and disappears and is lost. Uh, you know, I, I think you lose a little bit of the magic that goes along with it, that, that makes it stand out over say a universal studios. Right. Yeah. And you know, that kind of goes along with the whole idea where you no longer have like a learning Epcot where you can go to a place where you can learn. People just don't want to do that, you know, when they're on vacation, mm-hmm. but that's a story for another day. Yes, it is. So let's, uh, Jump around here. Let's talk about the pool area. All right. Yes. So the pool area is called Dubloon Lagoon. So that's obviously a play on words, which are doubloons are giving out Mardi Gras parades. Right? Mm -hmm. Right, guys? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the signature attraction at the pool area is a bluest sea creature water slide with a Triton-type figure at the head of the water slide. 
So I actually have two different backstories for um, for the uh, serpent that's actually the water slide at the uh, at the pool area. Mm-hmm. And the name of the sea serpent is called Scales the Sea Serpent. Scales. 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 Huh? Scales. Okay. Scales. 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 Yeah, there's an E there. Scales, scales, like right? scales. Scale. Yeah. Okay. Like musical scales. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I yeah. was thinking fish yeah, scales, scales, but okay. That makes more sense. Well, yeah, the, the same. Both levels. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 Scales, music has scales, parfaits, you know, people about parfaits. So scales was an original <laughs> Disney. Who doesn't like scales? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jump in the pool. <laughs> So, right. Scales was an original Disney character created for the resort by Disney executive Greg Ebar, who worked for Disney Marketing. So, the Port Orleans French Quarter once had a full-service restaurant, um, which is now sadly closed and called, um, and once again, here's another pronunciation, Bonaf- Bonaf- Bonne Famille. What does it mean? Good, good nice family. Good family. Good family. Bonne Famille. Bonne and Famille. Like, if you're dating a girl, you'd be like, oh, man, she come from that bon famille. Yeah. Good, that's good girl. Ah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Going to church. Yeah. So, <laughs> bon famille was named after the, um, from the, going back, at, this was named after, in reference to the um, owner of the talented French cats in the Aristocats. So, basically, after opera singer Madame Bon Famille. Mm-hmm. Yes, Madame Bonfamille. Madame yes. Bonfamille. And in the in the restaurant, there was a um, a special children's menu, which was basically a coloring book, and this talked about the cats from the Aristocats, Madame Duchess and the kittens, and Thomas O'Malley, and the Alley Cat Band, which took a musical cruise from Paris because that's where we talked about earlier. The Aristocats were um, from. So they took a musical cruise from Paris to Port Orleans, where they were tailed, quote unquote, followed by a jazz loving sea serpent. <laughs> oh, kind of like your boy in uh, Princess and the Frog. Right. And this is yeah. where the story gets a little, uh, little funny. So the sea creature fell in love with the jazz music that Scat Cat and his band were playing during the voyage. So, the sea creature was named Scales, a nod to musical Scales, and the Sherman Brothers tune from that film, Scales and Archipelos. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, nice. So, the story goes with Scales staying at the resort to enjoy the music played by the resident jazz gators. So, if you kind of remember, um, kind of in the Dubloon Lagoon area, there's these kind of these little alligators, which are kind of outside the, the pool area. So, that's kind of what that's referencing. Maybe. The idea being that, like, yeah, like the jazz gators are kind of like some kind of like pied pipers that led scales to the pool area. Just as, like, yeah, if you follow the gators today, they'll they'll lead you right to the pool area. That was what this guy was hinting that. But I don't think that's why the jazz gators were placed where they were. I think that that was this guy looking at this imagineer looking at it, creating this children's menu, and said, "Oh, well, here's the story. This is what happened." Just like as Keith is about ready to get to, another guy looked at this exact same scenario and said. I got a better idea for how this sea serpent came to be that would fit into my backstory of Port Orleans. Actually, Danny, do you want to talk about this one? Since uh, I will take my version versus your version and see which one the other guys like best. Oh, I like. I, it's like we're like we're picking sides here. Yeah, so it's kind of like battle of the <laughs> battle of the backstory oh, for Scales' sea serpent, right? Oh, yeah, yours has cartoon cats and gators. 
<laughs> yeah, but I kind of like the other one better. But uh, yeah, we'll see what the guys think. Yeah, we'll see. Let's see you what the guys want, think. You want to compete with him, but you already said you like his story more than the story you just told. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> I have the Aristocats behind me in my corner. You know, um, hey, I'm from Philly. We have Rocky here, so you know, um, <laughs> don't go get the, the Rocky, the Rocky guy. I do love, hey, I do love the Rocky. You know, Louisiana's got per capita the most alligators, and if an alligator gets into the water, it's game over. Just FYI. <laughs> Oh, that's funny that you have a serpent leading you to the pool. So, you know. Are you really? Okay. You yeah. Want me to do yeah, yeah, do. okay. yeah. Should we set this up? Battle of Scales, the sea serpent. <laughs> Keith's version <laughs> versus Danny's. The main <laughs> event. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know I was playing this. <laughs> I, didn't. <laughs> I, I, I thought y'all planned it. I, I wanted to nope. ask. Keith, in your version, really quick, does Scales do any kind of, he doesn't do any dancing in the backstory? Does he play an instrument? Does he pick up an instrument since he's inspired? Well, basically, um, Eli, so he's, you know, he's kind of a big fan of the jazz music, and he kind of follows the Aristocats who go on this musical cruise from from Paris, and they wind up in Port Orleans, and then there's these costume alligators right around the pool area playing musical instruments, and that kind of leads him to the pool area, and that's kind of where he lives to this day with little kids sliding down his back into the pool. He loves that. Right. <laughs> He's like Michael Jackson. You have a happy, jazz-loving sea serpent <laughs> hanging out in the pool that, area. <laughs> go down, but go down slow. <laughs> so I'm the kid, I'm the kid-friendly version, and Danny's going to turn it into the dark side evil version. Oh, the no more, the, the more New Orleans version. Okay, right. right. This is a little bit darker version. All right. Well, what we well, let's, let's go dark. All right. Let's get dark. So, as Kevin was saying, one of the things about New Orleans that you have problems with uh, is gators. I mean, if, if they get you, game over. Uh, so, some of the dangers that exist when you go around these bayous is that there's going to be alligators, there's going to be snakes, and so the parents. Part of their job was to try and keep the kids away from the bayou and telling them, hey, just stay away. Of course, kids are disobedient. It's not going to work. They're going to go in. They're going to try and swim and do that kind of stuff. So they decided to concoct a story about this large serpentine creature that lurked beneath the surface of the dark water waiting to eat children. Woo! As if gators weren't bad enough, you need a large serpentine dragon-like Loch Ness creature in order to scare these kids. So since the kids, you know, they hear the story like, yeah, man, we don't believe in all that. That's just nonsense. So a group of dads got together and decided to scare them by making like a large uh, dragon like sea serpent out of fence wire and bed sheets. And then they like painted it. And um, when it was finished, like 16 men got together to operate this thing. And when the children arrived on the bayou, the serpent emerge howling and screaming and chasing the children all the way back down to town. So um, each year afterwards, the serpent <laughs> reappeared at the end of the Mardi Gras parade, reminding children to stay away from the bayou or else scales would get you. And eventually scales became a permanent fixture over at the Blue Lagoon. That's right. All those dads watch plenty of Kung Fu movies in order to master the art of dragon dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, there you go. <laughs> So oh, you, t- wow. you tell me, what, what do you think is the better backstory for Scales? That he was eating children or that he just, you know, happened to be 
swing along and heard some music on a boat and decided to follow it. <laughs> I don't know. Mine's more kid friendly here. <laughs> Children, so you know, depends on if you effective. just want to be nice or mean. Well, yeah, I gotta tell I mean, you, it, based based upon how the Cajuns do Mardi Gras, I, w- I would go for the sec- uh, Danny's version because that seems more realistic <laughs> as to yeah. what they would actually do. Yeah, if I had a, but if I had a, I mean, they both are good. I mean, if I had a, if I had a three year old and I uh, wanted to keep them happy, I'd tell them Keith's version. But now, I having a teenager that wanted to sneak out or something like that, I would, I would tell them, I would tell them Danny's version. So it's all about the kid that you bring. But, uh, ooh, boy, that's an effective yeah. story. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, E, because like if you're a kid, you're sitting there coloring your little children's menu and you're like, Yay, scales are so friendly and he came over here and he just wanted to play and listen to music and everything, and then all of a sudden they get older and they're like, Yeah, no scales wants to eat you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that save you from what scales really is, baby, but now that you're old enough, you want to find me, about to tell you. Me and some daddies got together, and we made sure this thing would eat children. <laughs> I mean, like, all these years I've been sliding down that damn thing's back? Ah. That's like secretly was waiting to turn around and eat your ass, but I was looking at it at the same time. I said, Scales, don't you do it. Don't you eat that kid while she's being good. So it just goes to show you, man, like, even back in the day, things were a little disjointed at, at, at Disney, where, like, one hand didn't necessarily know what the other hand was doing, where it's like, okay, um, you're working on the kids' menu. Oh, okay, well, I'll just come up with a story that explains this sea creature here, and we'll use him because it's kind of a kiddie thing. We have gators, and we have aristocats, and another person comes right in, has no idea what's going on. It's like, yeah, I'm going to create my own story as well. And it just kind of, it's kind of cool that there was just somebody out there whose job it was to just walk in there, have no idea why these things were there, just that they were put there, and came up with a backstory behind it. I like that. Yeah, good job, Stephen King. Good job. So I just wanted to touch on two other things with Port Orleans before we kind of jump into uh, the Dixie Landings history. Sure. Touch away. So, so you know how you kind of drive around, not drive around, but you walk around um, Port Orleans and they have those horse-drawn carriage rides that you can do? Yes. Mm-hmm. So supposedly as the town developed, horse and carriage was used to get around town, and apparently they still evident today with the horse and carriage rides. So that's why they're kind of still there because that was kind of the mode of transportation back when the, the you know the, the town was developing, and it's yeah. a way for now tourists to you know spend dollars and do sightseeing and you know whatever. So for a very affordable fifty five dollars, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, fifty five dollars, affordable, yeah. huh? Yes. Yeah, a couple of meal. <laughs> <laughs> now the meal's another fifteen bucks. Horse parts. That's what it comes with. <laughs> So, as the town developed, um, steamboat was used to travel upriver of the Saskagoola River, and riverboats were used to travel upstream to a nearby town called Dixie Landings. Yeah. So, there's kind of your con- little connection between the two the two resorts. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And the, the one other New Orleans reference I wanted to bring to the Port Orleans is... And I'm sure um, Lee has kind of booked a guest here. Is so after the Princess and the Frog movie came out, didn't they kind of renovate some rooms and they kind of made them? I think they call them the Royal Rooms. Yeah, the Royal Rooms. Now I'm gonna not want to put my foot in my mouth, but I think the Royal Rooms were around before Princess Tiana. Okay, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I do know that now they do have Princess Tiana uh, elements in them. Either way. Um, 
they took this area of the of the resort and they rethemed the inside to what they call the royal rooms. And they're not necessarily princess rooms because they're they've got different elements from different stories. And they're actually they got like little gold ornate things, and they've got um, uh, like the water faucets, and they've got a, a headboard that lights up, and it, it's just you know very very nice for uh, a little something extra that you don't normally find at, at moderate resorts. And you're paying extra for it. Mm-hmm. You are paying extra for it. And you're paying <laughs> extra for a location that's not as desirable. Just kind of like the same thing with the pirate rooms. But, yep. uh, and that's how they sold it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you want something, you know, a little fun, a little extra for your trip, it's, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, I would. Uh, are we going to talk about the lobby, Keith? Yeah, let's talk about the lobby for a minute. Yeah, because before we move on to Dixie Landings, I would. I think that was a good one to touch upon. Yeah, so the the lobby is called um, Porterline Square. So it's it's the uh, main facilities building, and it has you know the Mardi Gras colors. And when I actually went and visited with, um, I was meeting Sean. I actually walk in, and there was a guy kind of you know dressed very like Mardi Gras, and he actually put beads around my neck. Um, and I didn't need to do anything for it. So uh, kind of go figure there. Not like the real New Orleans, you know, didn't need to show anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the lobby has a fountain in it. Um, and, you know, a lot of wrought iron, a lot of kind of glass. And kind of at the top, you know, kind of entrance of the doorway is a court jester overhead. And there's also um, a couple images of these giant gold blooms. Yeah. Funny thing, um, they, they actually gave me beads to keep my shirt on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, they gave you all the throws, huh? They gave you the balloons, cups, beards, beads, oh, like, everything. Beads, teddy bears. They offered you razors to shave your beard. You wouldn't take it. <laughs> but yeah, no, the original theme of the lobby was that of a, a commercial bank. And it was referred to as the Port Orleans Mint uh, before they oh, did that refurbishment in, in uh, 2013. And, it, you know, once again, it's like this long, complicated backstory. So it's not really, you know, worth it to go into it. But, I mean, they had to do something like with like a, like a Spanish governor seeing the need for both a mint and a bank all at once. And the French currency was no longer of any use because now Spain had acquired the Port Orleans territory. I mean, just to kind of give you some kind of a sense as to – you know, how they work this backstory just to get so many of the different cultures uh, that helped create New Orleans into there. But when France then reacquired the territory, that mint was uh, brought back to producing francs, along with a special commemorative coins from Mardi Gras called the Bloons. And incidentally enough, one of the things that I found fascinating when I was researching this, because one of the things that is famous about uh, New Orleans is the, is the term, and it was used in, in the name of the second resort, which is Dixie Landings. Now, we're three, we got three New Orleanians on the show. Dixie, who, who knows where that term comes from? It's from the French term for Dix, which is $10 bill. That's exactly it, what, what Kevin just said. Dix, which was a $10 bill. And so the mint that they put there, which was based on an original turn of the century mint, was where farmers used to go to trade in their harvest for Dixies, which was a yeah. $10 bill. And when the farmers went and gave them their, their goods and they would get their Dixies in return. So they'd be like, I'm going to get my Dixies. So they didn't even know that they ended up coining a phrase, but that's where the name Dixie comes from. 
Now, when we get to the actual story, they're going to have a whole different explanation for how they came up with the name Dixie Landings. But Dixie itself, just in case anybody was wondering, that's the, the, where that term originated uh, from people, from farmers used to go to the Mint to go ahead and exchange in their goods for money. And so that's why I thought the, the use of a Mint as a, a lobby was kind of cool. Yeah, a couple of things with that. So, you know, just to relate, uh, it's kind of like today when you say, I'm going to go get a buck, uh, or the farmer's going to say, I'm going to get some buckies. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But uh, no, not really. That's not true. But uh, what I really wanted to say is, like, there's an actual mint in New Orleans. Uh, they call it the old U.S. mint. And yes. it was an actual mint for the United States that was printing mm-hmm. coin between 1838 and 1909. And so, yeah, there, there's some, there's definitely connections there. Between uh, the resort and there, because we both have mints, maybe some, something yeah. a little different. Yep, and it's like a jazz museum now, right? Yeah, it's like a museum. It's a performance venue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the building still exists. The actual building itself, it's but it's, it's definitely part of Louisiana State Museum system. So yeah, it does a lot of yeah. different things. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that discussion of the Port Orleans Resort. If you want to learn more about us and our New Orleans-ness. MagicRWay.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. You can also get in touch with us through the following ways to share your opinion. You can shoot us an email at show at MagicRWay.com, leave us a voicemail via speak pipe widget, or you can call or leave us a text message. Yes, I did say text at 1-815-MOWEEKEN. That's 1-815-MOWEEKEN. 669-4226. And, of course, we got a couple guys that do things outside of the podcast. First of all, we got Eli does things with comics. Eli, tell them what you got going on, sir. Oh, of course. So you know the story. It's all about the glory. Uh, you can visit my website, Ivory Comics, uh, where you can check out the uh, artwork I'm putting out for uh, Project Geisha, uh, Savages, and the Molly Be Damned. Uh, there's also blog posts and interviews. And, of course, a link to this podcast so you can never miss an episode. Uh, if you want to find me on Facebook, I can be found at Eli H. Ivory. Always uh, making new friends as long as they're real people. Uh, you can also check out Project Geisha on Facebook. So Facebook.com slash Project Geisha. Instagram, I'm out there as well. Uh, you can find me there at E. Ivory 504. And, of course, on Twitter, I can be found at Hancock 166. So if you appreciate the madness, and uh, you're bringing me to Gladys. Thank you very much. And if you want to book a vacation for the upcoming time in which we can start traveling and so and getting together socially again, you can do so through Lee of Magical Moments Vacations. Lee, tell them how to do this. Scheme me call at 832-431-1621. That's 832-POUPON. 832-POUPON. <laughs> you can email me at lee at magicourway.com. You can check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash travel. Instagram, you can find me at you've got a friend in Lee Travel. And if you do any of that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up with no. Hasselvika! Is there an 800 number for 1-800-I-don't-know-when-I-can-go-to-Disney-again.com or something? Like, is there something we can copyright? We should. 1-800-June <laughs> 1st, hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> can I tell you, you know, what, you know what we need to do? We need to do an old-fashioned, like, football pool. Where people predict yeah. the date get a square. Disney's going to open, and whoever gets that'd be like, awesome. Whoever gets closest, yeah. and not that we would do this for money, we do it for like jelly beans or something or whatever, because we can't talk about doing it for money on a podcast. But like you know, for um, Skittles or something like that, we'll do a contest. 
you know, not for money. For a t-shirt? Yeah, for for a t-shirt or something where if you're the one who's able to predict the opening date closest and most accurately, you win the prize. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd be going with that. that. That'd be fun. All right. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's let's look into that. Maybe we can. What do you think about that? Let us know for sure. Absolutely. Game on. Yeah. How many gamblers are out there? Oh, they can't tell you because the bookies are looking for them. (laughs) 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 Look, guys, if you want to support the show as a whole, you can do so through the following ways. Buy some beignets right there on our homepage. Buy some clothing from our shop. Uh, Remember, we are part of the BS Podcast Network, so support those guys over there. Then, easiest way to support us is to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download the show, whether it is Stitcher, Blueberry, Google Play Music, etc. And look, guys, on Facebook, we got a group. The Moeek and Pleasure Alley on 33 Facebook group. Uh, there you can speak your Disney mind without fear of any retribution. Uh, you can interact with all the famous Moeekans as well as Danny, Eli, and yours truly. Also, guys, one of the good things about being on Moeek and Pleasure Island 33 is that if we're going to be doing something that involves the listeners, we're going to be posting it on Moeek and Island 33. So if it's like we're going to do 10 minutes with a weekend, if we're going to do a game show, it's always going to be posted there. So if y'all want to be a part of the behind the scenes magic of the Magic Our Way podcast, if y'all want to get in good with the host and be like, hey, I got an idea for a show. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Moeekin Pleasure Island 33. That's right. And guys, look, we always think you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and making us a part of of your disney fan life we appreciate you love hearing from our listeners all opinions are always welcome on this podcast so get in touch with us today so my weekends ladies and gentlemen we say quaharini my name is kevin and i'm danny magic out i have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast but i still somehow end up with tacos Benes. Hey, this is Kevin from the Magic Hour Podcast. When Calgon can't take me away, Mad Hatter Radio will. <laughs> Check it out. Bam. <laughs>